Hey, you're listening to Patrick Coppolino, and this is the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Why not book a Yuck Yucks on tour show for your school, fundraiser, or next corporate event? Go to yuckyucks.com and click on Hire a Comic. Let our experienced agents help you put together a show that is right for you. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. What's going on, my little yuckamaniacs? This is your host, Jake Hirsch. Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. We are in day number seven of the holdout of the uh, negotiations. Uh, uh, okay, I guess they're not negotiations. I bought a car seven days ago, and it's still not in my driveway, and I'm a little bit pissed off about it. So right now, you're going to hear a rant. And this rant, uh, I'm not going to mention the company's name. That is doing this to me right now, but I'm feeling a bit of uh, of uh, frustration. I'm feeling a bit uh, pissed right now. Um, I paid a lot of money for this car, and uh, there was a engine light on in it when I went to go get it, and uh, it was supposed to be just this emission sensor that uh, is is I guess creating the problem here, and. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was going to be an easy fix, and then they had to, you know, all of a sudden it went from that to we had to order the part, then we had to schedule the appointment with our mechanic, then we had to do this, and then we had to do that, and now it's day seven. And uh, they were pretty freaking quick to take my money, but not very quick to deliver the product. So I'm a little pissed off right now, so bear with me. Let me try to get over it. <sighs> Breathing, breathing, breathing. Hey, I've taken up yoga, not yoga, sorry, meditation. I've taken up meditation in the morning, and it's been working wonders, as you can tell by my uh, complete mental breakdown today, uh, not having a car. Um, no, but all seriousness, I, uh, I I took up meditation, and I, I downloaded this app uh, on the advice of a friend and uh, started doing meditation in the morning, about uh, 30 minutes, and it's been, it's been fantastic. I've been probably about two or three months in now. And I try to remember to do it every day. It's becoming a habit every day. But I find that it does center me. It gives me a little bit more focus. And, and uh, uh, I didn't meditate for the last couple of days. And I'm thinking today is very overwhelming for me. Because I'm ready to break down because I don't have a car. You know what it's like not having a car? I got a trade-in. Uh, so I still have my trade-in. But uh, it's uh, it's I, I don't want to risk you know having it out and having something happen to it, getting hit or bumped or you know, in an accident or something like that. And then boom, there goes the entire deal down the drain. Uh, but uh, so I've been kind of, you know, staying close to the old home office here and, and working out of the house. And uh, yeah, so today was just a very, I don't know, it's its funny. I did not feel centered today at all. I know right now half of you at home are sitting there going, Jesus Christ, he's talking about crystal chakras and energy and vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not. Uh, okay, I'm going to get over this. I'm going to stop being such a freaking wanker and a baby and uh, throw, stop throwing a temper tantrum and just deal with this head on. But there's just a multitude of things happening here. I should be happy on so many different levels because of so many wonderful things happening, uh, uh, you know, just uh, as far as uh, the comedy business-wise. Uh, but I'm not. I'm pissed off, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm taking it out on you guys. So my apologies. Anyway, we had a couple of great shows this past week, 
part of the Yuck Yucks on Tour show. And of course, if you ever want to book one of those, you just get a hold of good old Yuck Yucks there, yuckyucks.com. And uh, there's a bunch of us agents out there that are just can't wait to bring comedy to your hometown. That's right. The Yuck Yucks on tour show uh and it's all across canada wherever you want to put on a show wherever there's not a club or an established room already uh by yuck yucks we would be more than happy to come to your town and put on one hell of a show and in cochran this last week and i did just that i had a show on saturday sorry friday and i had a show the week before on a sunday in the same week it was uh maybe that's why i'm so fragile today uh no uh Anyway, both shows were just absolutely killer. John Bueller just destroyed uh, the town hall. In fact, I think they got uh, renovation uh, crews in there right now as we speak, fixing the place up. Uh, no, he did amazing. He did really, really well. And and Scott Dumas came out and, and just absolutely crushed it. Uh, I haven't had a chance to see Scott Dumas headline. That was my first time. And what a pleasure, man. That guy is an absolute talent. It got this weird thing. It was like when he got on stage, I just had this big sigh of like, and now everything is going to be great again. Yes, yes. Yeah, he just took control of the crowd and, and and you know, was doing some great riffing and broke out the guitar. He sang me happy birthday. And uh, wow, yeah, it ended up being a, a, just one hell of a great show. And I can't wait to have him back again, as well as John Bueller as well. Uh, fantastic, fantastic comedian. Uh, everybody that came out, uh, to do the show was amazing. We had a great host, uh, on, uh, the hideout show. We had Brittany Lysing on the, uh, sorry, town hall show. That was Brittany Lysing. And on the hideout one, we had, uh, Matt Foster, another recently signed yucks, uh, comedian and absolute, uh, pleasure to see work. And, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, for being in comedy, not that long. And he's, he's just a, I think he's like a second year, maybe first year guy. Um, absolutely incredible. I mean, in order to get signed, I mean, you get, you have to be incredible to begin with, but, but, uh, but regardless of that fact, uh, just to see somebody get up on stage and really know how to take control of a room. Uh, we had a couple of, you know, drunky McDrunkertons in the corner there. And he just, it was a real, it was really cool to watch that happen. I was a little worried at first because I was like, oh, I wonder if Matt could handle this. And not only did he handle it, he engaged them right back in the show and, uh, and was, you know, including them in on the joke. So it was just a, it was a win all around. So even the hecklers, they weren't even hecklers. There were just people that were there just kind of being loud. And, and, and Matt was able to not only get their attention, but, uh, but do it in a way so that they felt like they were part of the show. It was, uh, it was a brilliant move. Anyway, uh, great job by all. Uh, we had some great openers. Alan Cho came out. I hadn't seen Alan in a long time. Austin Lonenberg. We had Amy Bug, who just destroyed. She did amazing. Dale Ward has just been cleaning up. Absolute pleasure to watch this young guy work. Uh, check him out, Handcuff Comedy on Sundays. I usually don't promote other rooms on this uh, podcast, being that it's a yucks podcast, but I got to give a shout out to my man, Dale Ward. Uh, very proud of this, uh, this, this young man, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know how old Dale is, but I'm guessing he's a younger guy than me. And uh, so, yeah, just absolute killer, man. Uh, good to see and great to see him uh, just keep working the craft. So, hey, speaking of which... I'm super pumped right now because uh, I get to introduce the guest of today's podcast, which is, of course, 
Man, I you know okay, I'm 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 excited about this for a couple of reasons. One is because we've been trying to do this for a while, and we finally got to sit down, and it was all that I expected. Secondly, the guest today is we have so much in common; it's it's uncanny. Like we literally were exchanging emails after the show uh, uh, a couple hours afterwards, going like, "God, I didn't realize we were that much alike." It's uh, very weird. Uh, he's like the white version of me. Yeah. Kind of, kind of weird, and in better shape. But anyway, today's guest, Mr. Derek Sweet. Everybody, that's right, Derek Sweet. Big round of applause for this. Uh, just absolutely uh, super funny, talented comedian out of Calgary. He, yes, he's a native Calgarian. We talk about that on the show. Uh, we talk about his comedy career and how he started and where he's, you know, kind of the people that he was around and, and, uh, and, and some of the people that are still here now that he's been doing comedy with for years and years, we get his take on the local comedy scene. Uh, we talk about everything. We talk about his new app, uh, comediate and, and it's, it's a fantastic thing. So make sure to download it folks. We will, uh, put the link in the description for you, uh, or the link to how to get information on that app to download. I believe it's called comediate. Uh, I'd have to look at my phone again to look at it, but yeah, uh, great app. I checked it out. Very, very cool. Anyway, folks, uh, we have a great fun interview here and Derek sweet has quickly become one of my favorite comedians to watch. Uh, absolutely hilarious. I had a chance to watch him headline already and he did a fantastic job. Today's interview does not let you down. I promise you Derek sweet is our guest and we're going to go talk to him right now. chair and I don't know if you had that same experience just on certain like office chairs where it's not locked down and all of a sudden you just fucking go flying backwards like you're (laughs) you're gonna fall to your death or something it's pretty crazy man Derek Sweet in studio how are you sir I'm doing great Jake how you doing I'm doing wonderful thanks for coming out here man yeah no problem this like uh Cochran's a nice we were just talking like it's a nice little area I like it it's great man it's a good little town and uh, I found a nice little corner of uh town to kind of stay in where everybody I don't know Cochran's weird man it's like everyone thinks they're credit to society out here and so they live just outside of town they yeah. don't have to deal with all the like you know we don't have to deal with the crime and the bullshit and all that type of stuff it's still got that small town feel but it's uh it's i don't know it's a good place to raise kids a good place to live and and you know especially if you're building a brand or you're making a name like now i can go to starbucks and just say hi to everybody that i know yeah that's what i was gonna say like when it's this small you're like the fucking comedy king of yeah. Concord now like <laughs> Like this. Yeah, they call me the mayor of Cochrane all the time. <laughs> the mayor of Cochrane. Yeah, they wanted me to put a float in the parade this year. And I'm like, a float of what? I'm not quite sure what I'm going to put a float up and have people do stand-up on the way down the street. Like, I don't know how that would work. But, oh, yeah, uh, no, that wouldn't be a shit gig at all. No, <laughs> that, that would work out just fantastic. People would be... Every oh. comic would be lining up. Yeah, can I do comedy from a float? <laughs> yelling at people, children. There'll be children, right? Good, oh, yeah. like, you know, that's what you want at comedy shows: is children. Exactly, exactly. I know we've been trying to do this for a while, man. I'm glad we finally hooked up. Totally. I think like since you started, when you just started doing it, yeah. I met you. That's right. And it's been that fucking long. It's been like over a year because I have like a 19 month old, and I basically you be, you kind of just do this on the fly. Like you'd be like, you'll be at the club. Who's there? Yeah. Just fucking throw it on the mics and let's exactly. do it. Exactly. And it's like I'm never out anymore because if I don't have a show, I'm taking care of the kid. That's what right. I'm doing, right? So <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. We were just talking about your your uh, little one, 19 months, 19 months, and another and, one on the way. Holy shit! And another bun, bun in the oven. No way. Yeah, February 1st is the due date. 
find out on Wednesday in like three days what the gender is. So. No way. Are you guys yeah. like to find out like beforehand? You want yeah, to plan or what? I don't get the difference. Like if you find out from the ultrasound or from the day of the birth, that's right. there's enough going on the day of the birth. You don't need to be figuring Overly out whether you're buying about. pink undies or blue <laughs> undies. You know what I mean? But uh, no, we like to know so we can pick out names and yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of get prepared in advance. Know yeah. if we need to book because we have all the boys' clothes, and so now. If right, I have a daughter, right. if it's a daughter, I'm going to have to start saving money, not only for the clothes, but for the inevitable, uh, inevitable yeah, 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 18 years of expenses I will incur. That I hear what, was there any piece of you at the beginning that was like, I really want a girl, I really want a boy? Was there any? I really that? wanted a boy at first. Yeah, there was. I it, it's old school. I don't know, but I was just like, I just want, a, I want a genetic copy of me. Yeah, it, that, to me, the children thing. It's all just about like it's about uh, extending your life in a way. Because like when yeah. I really think about it, the purpose of all life, where I have to think about it, is procreation. If you right. ask, what is the commonality of all life? Sure, reproducing. It's right. really the only thing that. And so whenever somebody asks, what's the meaning of life? I'm like, well, clearly fucking clearly, <laughs> clearly if you look at the world, that's, that's what it is. So, um, yeah, to me, I, 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 I just, I never thought I'd get married, never thought I'd have kids and then got married. And then eventually it was like, just really started asking myself these philosophical questions. And right. I'm like, no, I need to pass my genetics down. I have to, it's yeah. because otherwise I could have the most success in comedy in the world. Right. I could be George Carlin and in 200 years, no one will fucking know who you are anymore. Right. Right? So right, right. you want to have that influence past your life. You got to reproduce. That's a good point to make. And it's funny. Cause like we, it, it's like, I, cause I follow you on Facebook. I follow all your posts and stuff like that. You're one of the ones that I actually clicked the follow first one. And I, oh, nice. I, I like to read your insights. I like to read some of your commentary, your opinions on things. Cause we agree on a lot of stuff. Oh, like thanks, even, man. When it comes to life, uh, you know, uh, values, virtues, stuff like that, but even like political. But before we jump into all that stuff, let me let me get back to the very beginning as as to where because people want to know where is Derek Sweet from? Where did you start out? How did all this happen for you? Started out in Calgary. Was born in Calgary. So you're one of the few that are left that are actually. It's like Vegas yeah. now. Yeah. Nobody from Calgary is actually from Calgary. It's I, know, all, I I did that whole bought property and had a family here, and that right, kind of right. keeps you here. But yeah, or yeah. do you mean like? I didn't leave before comedy. Even. No, I no. Yeah. Out. Like, I mean, like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm from the East coast from, from van. Or I'm from like every, everybody in Calgary that I meet seems to be a transient from some other place. Right. Like they ended up there or they went there for opportunity or for work. But very few people I talk to are actually native Calgarians. Interesting. I definitely am. Yeah. I was born in the Rocky view and, and, uh, I left for four years. I lived right. in California for three years and Florida Get for one year. Yeah, when I basically right as the dot, I, I graduated university. Like this is way before comedy. Sure, and I was I graduated from computer science, and I'm a programmer. That's my day job. No way. And uh, basically moved down to California just as the dot com bubble was bursting. You know, right. Because I because right. if anything in my life, I have good timing. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I went down there right now, and it was actually a great opportunity because I hooked up with a company that wanted no overhead, so everybody worked from home. There was no, no office, way. and that's so sweet. they yeah. actually were able to thrive in that bubble bursting environment because sure. they had no overhead at all. And right. so we, I, I hooked up with a great company. I was there for 13 years and then fell in love with a girl and she convinced me to move back to Florida. Wow. And then I broke up with her and then I could have either gone back to California or Canada. And I was like, no, I want to be around family and friends. And sure. George Bush had just won reelection. So, so I was like, fuck, fuck this. Out of here. <laughs> it was Jackson. 
<laughs> it was Jacksonville, Florida, right? And there was literally people driving around on trucks like that had painted on the side. Fuck you, Democrats. We won. And I was Thank like, you. I got to get oh the fuck God, out of here. Man. I had a similar experience in Texas where people just drive around and it's just so blatant. And I, and like as a liberal, as a Democrat in the state, I'm a hardcore Democrat in the States. I like in my mind, I can never think about putting on the back of my car like fuck bush like any type of a disrespect <laughs> to like the commander in chief but as i'm driving around down there thank god i was packing a packing heat but there was like trucks all around me like fuck obama and like just yeah. horrible rhetoric man right. crazy shit it's, and florida is just full of that stuff <laughs> and what was so funny is back then we were all saying it can't get worse <laughs> it can't get worse than george bush jr that's the stupidest man that could possibly and then fucking trump sure enough unbelievable oh you're God. just like no way it got crazier it yeah. got more crazy than it obama did. versus uh oh what's his my name God. i'm drawing a blank but oh oh uh, back yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well uh, obama in the first one mm-hmm. against george bush jr um but uh, uh are you talking about the last it was election? obama versus mccain and then obama, obama versus mitch. mitch no was it uh romney wasn't it romney yeah mitch, yeah right. yeah and the mccain and the mccain uh, i will say that Palin was the worst. That oh, was the man. that was the craziest, most that batshit person like, that's ever run for any major yeah. office. I don't I don't know what McCain was thinking. Uh, just like he, a hell mary, like maybe I'm going to pander to the masses with this. Had like, to, it, it, no, he was just find me a beautiful Republican woman. That's for sure what he was thinking. And there's no shortage of them. Yeah, there, I mean, if you yeah. look at like I'm always on Twitter going, I know you must be fucking crazy because you're hot because a lot of the <laughs> political pundits are, are are fucking gorgeous. If you look on. On like even CNN, I mean, some of the some of the pundits on there are just like, holy Jesus, man, good looking women, but they're crazier than shit. <laughs> Aren't they cra- like that Megan McEnany or whatever? Or- I never see them. I only ever hear you them. You only hear them on TV. But, but every time Trump has a representative, it's either a black dude or a woman. Have you noticed yeah. that? Always. He <laughs> never totally. has a white man speaking for him. Exactly. He's always like, no, no, we, well, I know there's a million of you lining up behind yeah. me, but I'm going to grab the three or four it's, uh, yeah, black just men. crazy women. black pastors <laughs> from the South who are just fighting for Trump's right to become president, man. Oh, man. I, I can't wait to talk politics with you because we... We are all so much on the same level, but, but okay. So taking back, so, so, so Florida, so you broke up with her, you wanted to come back to family. You wanted to hang out. You, you kind of wanted to get back to Calgary. Yeah. And so I came back here and, uh, I always thought I was going to be a musician. I played, no shit. yeah, I've been Where'd playing. Play? I played like started piano when I was three years old. Mm-hmm. Then it was saxophone, clarinet and band. And then I uh, picked up guitar when I was 16 and I thought for sure I was going to be a guitar player, but then I got in a car accident, had a neck injury Holy and shit. I couldn't play for more than 15 minutes. My hands just got stiff and sore. Wow. And so after I drank for about two years, <laughs> a little hiatus, <laughs> I was pretty depressed at the fact that what was my entire vision of my artistic life, you right. know, I said like, Hey, you've always loved love stand-up comedy sure why don't you go try stand-up comedy so i wrote for six months wow and uh and got on stage here at what was at the time yuck yucks at the blackfoot casino this was before it turned into the laugh shop three right. months before right and i got on stage and it went super well i you know it really was just kind of a it was kind of a i'm gonna go do this for fun thing and right. then the drug just bit me right like i yeah. just got it, it's that such an lot. incredible when you do well. It's yeah. this great. And Pete Zedlacher, do you know Pete? Uh, I don't know him personally, but I've, I've heard of him. Yeah. He was the headliner that night. The first time I was ever on stage. Comedian. Yeah. And he was, uh, and cause he was doing the club that weekend. And so right. he was there for the amateur night. And when I got off stage, he said to me, he goes, uh, he's like, was that really your first time, man? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. And he goes, you really need to keep doing this. And he's since apologized for that encouragement. I need to point that out. <laughs> 
sorry. I've told him that story four years later. He's like, oh, I'm sorry I did that, man. I didn't. <laughs> sorry, I inspired I didn't you mean to, to drag you into this. <laughs> but uh, no, and then it was. I just I've had far more success in comedy than I ever had in music. So it's just wow. one of those. One of those. Uh, were you Were you like the 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 class clown growing up? Were you outgoing socially? Like that every type single, of. Every single one of my friends told me when they found out I started comedy, they're like, "But you're not funny." <laughs> Such a <mode laughs> you know? of confidence, right? And it, and it was one of those things that I was like, "No, no, you need to, you should come and see." And then I would sure. eat shit in front of them, like, "We told you, you're not funny." And they'd be like, "Fuck off, I have good nights." And then slowly it got better and better and better. And wow, man! But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like it just, I've been watching stand up comedy since I was five years old. Yeah, yeah. I remember my dad had a giant satellite dish in the backyard that fucking right. rotated because that's what satellite TV used to be. <laughs> sure, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, right? Giant satellite dish, and you change dish, the channel just, and then run to the backyard just to see it move. <laughs> it literally moved people. If you don't know, if I've got anybody under 30 listening it, to this. Yeah, there's like literally NASA-sized satellites in the backyard <laughs> just think. like constructed or on the roof if you're ballsy enough to do it. But yeah, usually it was on the ground somewhere in your back uh, backyard. But like, yeah, eight foot like dishes, man. Yeah, they were crazy. Gigantic. Yeah. And so I'd, I'd watch HBO and I remember Stand Up, Stand Up with Laura Keitlinger. Like right, she's, right. you know, she, I don't, you never hear her name anymore, but she right. hosted this show called Stand Up, Stand Up on HBO. Right. And I watched it obsessively. And I, wow. I've watched, you know, Dennis Leary, No Cure for Cancer sure. was on repeat from, from 16 to 17. I must've listened to that album hundreds of times. And wow. Then, and then uh, I was a huge Tool fan. And then mm-hmm. on the inside of a Tool album and said, Bill Hicks, another dead hero. And I was like, who's Bill Hicks? Found him. He's a comedian. Bill Hicks oh, changed my life, right? right. You know, and George Carlin, just all these comedians, they had such influence on me, but I never thought to do it. Right. I right. never thought I could, but yeah. those 25 years of listening to comedy obsessively yeah. just made me a good comedy writer. And it, How old were you when you did your first, like that, that amateur night over 30. at 30 it was, years it old? It was thir- six months after my 30th. Because when I turned 30, it was when I was like, all right, you know. You're getting old. You got to try and do, you got to try and do, you can't do music anymore. So you got to try and do wow. comedy. And, and it's funny to point out that I, I can play guitar as long as I want now. The neck injury is healed up and no way. And I would never go back to music now, but right, right. I should integrate it into my comedy somehow though. That's I just saw uh, Scott Dumas. He came out and did a show over the weekend and, yeah. uh, and he pulled out a guitar, man. He was phenomenal. It was yeah, great. Was it's fun. kind of a good, yeah, it's kind of a cool thing to integrate. But, um, did you feel like you were a better comedian at 30 than, than you would have been if you had gotten into it about 18 or 19? Like, were your life observations obviously a hell of a lot different than what they would be at 18 or 19? It's a good question. Um, if I did it at 18 or 19, I would have been way more angsty. Like, I was right. super – like, I wasn't a goth kid, but I loved Marilyn Manson and Tool and Nine Inch Nails. Those were sure. my favorite bands. Yeah. And so I would have been way more angsty and I don't think right. I would have related to people at all. Right. Right. When I was 30, I just, you know, grew up yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. stopped being that little bitch right, <laughs> that uh, hated everything and hated the world and started realizing the, fucking the world's actually pretty awesome and there's no reason to be down all the time. And so, yeah, no, I think, I think I'm much happier in my thirties than I was in my twenties. So no, I think, yeah. I think it was the right time for me to get into it for sure. That's amazing, man. And like, you've toured all over Canada. You've done shows. You've opened up for some huge, huge people. Yeah. And, not and always, not always knowing it. Have you heard that story? The Doug Stanhope story? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> sometimes Let's hear this story. Sometimes man. I don't even know I'm opening for amazing people. <laughs> I literally. This would be great for the podcast. Let's I, uh, I get into the, uh, into the, I go to see Doug Stanhope because I love him. I've actually over, or had already opened for him twice at this point. This would wow. be the third time I open up for him. Uh, the first two times, Rob Mayu was bringing him through town. He's a promoter and comic from out east. Right. Uh, out east, Toronto. Sure. And uh, he uh, brought him through town and people asked, you know, 
who should open for Stanhope? And I was running a room called Going to Hell Sundays at the time right. at Juliet's Castle, which is now Handcuff Comedy and right, Comedy there. Right, so, right. but I I ran a room there for three years called Going to Hell Sundays, and it was the dark and dirty comedy show in town. And so, right. when people said who should open for Stanhope, anybody that was in Toronto were like, "Well, Derek Sweet runs Going to Hell Sundays. So no way. Maybe he should." Just, so I got to open for him twice. Right. And then the third, I and then the third time, I was like, "I'm not even going to ask. Like, I've yeah. got a choice. Let's let somebody else have that amazing opportunity to work with somebody like Stanhope." Sure. And it was Todd Ness got the call 15 minutes before showtime no because way. no one had arranged an opener. <laughs> <laughs> Holy so shit. So Todd Ness got the call 15 minutes before showtime and said, can you be here? And he's like, of course. And he got in his car, but he didn't make it in time. I, from the, what Todd's told me, literally he walked in the showroom as the lights were going down. Oh, no way. And, uh, Doug was originally going to say, no, we're not going to do it. We're not, we're not just not, we don't need an opener. I'll just walk out there. And then right. the manager of the club was like, no, no, we do. And they, he pointed at my picture and he goes, well, this guy's in there. He bought a ticket. <laughs> Get the fuck. He so was, sitting he's, in the he's audience. Sitting there. And then Doug said, okay, we'll let him open. And he goes, where is he? And they go, we, we don't know. And uh, we don't know where he's sitting. We can't remember where we sat him. And so Doug's like, all right, well, I'm just going to go have some fun then. And this is literally, I'm literally what happened. Doug Stanhope gets on stage at the beginning of the show and goes, ladies and gentlemen, tonight's opener doesn't know he's tonight's opener. Please welcome Derek Sweet. I had five seconds notice to get on stage. So like when he was announcing this, were you like looking around going, well, who's going to be the surprise? My, my, my buddy started slapping me in the shoulder because yeah. he's like, him, him, him. It's going to be you, man. Right. And I was like, no, no. There's Even at that point, I was still going, there's no fucking way. Sold on no way. There's yeah. no way. And uh, and then he's like, yeah, here he is, Derek Sweet. And I get on stage. And it was so funny because I had opened for him twice before and he still had no idea. No. <laughs> like we had partied two nights before. But that's the thing, right? He meets thousands of oh, people yeah. a year. So yeah, it's yeah. like. And so it was so funny to be introduced by him. And then he's like, nice to meet you. I'm like, well, I've worked with you twice before. <laughs> I know. I try to brush that off all the time, too, because my ego gets in the way of it. But I'm like, uh, I'll see Bert at Kreischer. I'm like, hey, man, how's it going, bro? And he's like, who are you again? Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah, we hung out at night. Remember? I remember That's watching, crazy, uh, though. I remember watching a documentary on The Shining, and Jack Nicholson mm-hmm. said that, where he said, if you meet a celebrity and they don't remember you, try and remember that these people meet thousands of people. So year. true. Yeah. And just cut them some slack. Like Absolutely. don't take it personally, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah. That's a good point though. It is because I can see like how many club dates they do, how many appearances people do and stuff yeah. like that. And every night there's someone new getting up on stage for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd imagine that that's definitely the case. That's incredible. I used to have this like weird fantasy where like when I first started doing comedy that I'd be in the club and they come up and they'd be like, Hey man, our middle got hit by a car on the way over here. We like we need you, pal. Get up here. You know what I mean? And yeah. then here it happens to you. When no, you're just know, sitting right? in the club and they're like, Derek, we need you, pal. Get up on you know what I mean? I like, know, right? Holy it's, shit. It's actually Brittany Lysing pointed out, she's like, You realize that what happened to you is like every comic's fantasy. <laughs> they're always sitting in the crowd and we're always thinking, God, wouldn't it be amazing if they just brought me on stage yeah, exactly. and it actually fucking it happened. happened. <laughs> And poor Todd Ness, like poor Todd Ness. He's, uh, but the, Todd got to open for him the next night. Oh, no anyway, way. Anyway, so he yeah. was there. They threw on a second show and Todd got to. So fortunately, Todd got to actually have the fun actually experience. Actually get to do it. Wow. But can you imagine being him? Like he walks in, the lights go down and, and, and he hears somebody down. else get introduced. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, I can't even <laughs> imagine. You, I can just picture Todd in that 10, 10 minutes of trying to get to the club, like blowing red lights, just fucking <laughs> going nuts and then doesn't get to do it. Oh, my God. What a what an amazing experience. So, man, I mean, yeah. you worked with some killer people like yeah. that's no doubt about it. It, it. Did you ever kind of envision that when you were 30, that when you got into comedy, that this is where you would be at this at this point? No, like, when I was starting, like I said, I thought it was just I'm going to go have some shits and giggles. Like, yeah. 
And I mean, and as, as but as like being a dad now and, and being a father, like I know for uh, myself, uh, just being like a self-employed guy. Well, technically self-employed, but but I mean, it, it uh, financially, uh, it, it, a lot of people don't choose comedy for it to be a, a huge money maker until you hit the big time, like. Stuff like car payments and mortgage payments are scary things for people that rely on on hustling. I mean, it takes yeah. a lot to go out and find your own work and hustle gigs and stuff like that. Did that ever come into play? Did you ever think like, man, I don't know if this is the greatest financial road for me <laughs> starting that, out? Did that ever come? It's my fucking life, Jake. It's like every <laughs> it's day, daily. every day, especially since like second kids on the way. Daycare is like twenty five hundred a month <laughs> for two kids. Right? Ridiculous, right? It's yeah. like you, the wife might as well not work. Work, so sure. now I'm looking at being the primary breadwinner, sole provider. Here. Sole provider, I guess, is the yeah. Thing. So it's like, yeah, it's I, I'm it very much have to think about it, right? But fortunately, I've got this day job that I can right. do on the road. Like I'm about to go to BC to Abbotsford on Thursday, and then right. I'm in Vancouver the week the Thursday after that, and then Victoria the Thursday after that. Yeah, and I'm working the whole time. I'm just bringing my laptop and working out of the hotel room. So that's a great thing, though, man. To trying to make it work your, as best yeah, I can, right? Because uh, the comedy is the passion, but you got to pay the bills too. So Absolutely. And I, I don't think I'm going to be selling out Jubilee anytime soon. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's something I love, but, um, right. but you know, I, I love having a family more. I never thought I would ever say that in Does my that, life. No, but, but that's such a great thing, man. Because like for me, I think some people it scares them and they're like, Oh shit. You know, like this is, this is real, but for other people. And I'm guessing for yourself, I mean, it's not so much of a stress as it is a motivator. Right. It probably motivates you to, to just keep kicking ass. It absolutely does. There's no question. And like, and, and it's, it's going great. It's like, yeah, people are terrified of it. It's true. And, uh, but I can say there's, there's two things I say in defense. I laugh 20 times more a day than I did before. Now kid's still young. He's not a little shit that pisses me off. He's (laughs) getting there though. He's getting there. (laughs) But, um, and there's just what I was saying before about evolution and stuff. Like we are genetically programmed for it to be the most, fulfilling experience we can have. Right. And there's just so much, it's like, yeah, it's a pain in the ass, sure, but there's so much joy that comes with it too. There's there so is. much fun and happiness and you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. When did you have that? Did you always, because you said that when you were younger, I mean, you obviously had that angst. I think everybody did. Like I grew up listening to, you know, KMFDM and, and, uh, you know, all these like, you know, kind of dark, I was into the cure. I was into the new order joy division, there all these go. types of bands where yeah. I was just kind of like, you know, I was walking around like, uh, you know, someone's like, what's wrong? I'm like, don't worry about it, man. You wouldn't understand. Like <laughs> I'll figure it out, bro. Like I was always just kind of a, a darker guy where I was always serious and in intention and thinking and stuff like that. And I think that when I finally got into comedy or into the comedy business, I think you're right, man. I laugh so much more. I find humor. I find joy in life so much more. And I look at the overall capacity of my life, and I'm like, fuck, I got it pretty good, man. I get to hang out with cool people. I get to laugh at funny shit. And people always say, like, oh, you don't want to do comedy? And for me, like, promoting comedy or booking comedy, there's nothing better for me than to, like, I'm a huge fan of comedy. I grew up doing the same thing, watching, you know, Night at the Improv and Bud Friedman and Carolyn's Comedy Hour and all this type of stuff. And now I get to just crack a beer, sit back and watch it every nice. night. And I, I, I love it. There's not nothing. And I think it's overall, it's, it's made me a happier person. You're doing a bang up job of it too. Let Thanks, me say man. that. Like, Thank like you. just, you know, the, the posters and everything. And you just, you go all out, you make every Thank show you. 
a big production, which is exactly what's needed, and it's yeah. and it's fantastic. Thank you, man. That's a huge, huge compliment. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great thing. So yeah, I mean, like I, I think I was in that same spot, and and I it's I think that's why I relate to you so much is because you you do exude that that happiness about life, where where your opinions and stuff, you know, on life is just so much more. It seems like you've got a lot more clarity in life now. That yeah. that this is where this is what you want to do. This is what you're doing. Yeah, and this is this is the steps on how to get there. Uh, has it always been like that for you? Or were you always optimistic? Were you always happy about like, I get to do this and life is great and, and everything else? No, like that, dude, you show what you just said about me to anybody I knew in, in university. Yeah, <laughs> they were like, are you talking about the same fucking person? <laughs> are we talking about the guy with long black hair that had two different colored eyes and talked about how much he hated religion constantly? Cause I used to have a, I used to have a big beef with religion that I've since gone over. Right. You know, right. now I'm more focused on individuals that suck rather than sure. organize than I'm like, yeah, well, if you're going to be doing the God hates fags thing, then I, f- I don't like you. But if you're going right. to use your beliefs to help people, then it's great. Sure. You know? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, you know, people would be very surprised to hear you say that. But Sean right. O'Comber actually talks about that, too. Right. He says, like, that I'm insanely optimistic because I'll show up at a show at, like, the Legion in Fairview, Alberta. Right. And if there's 200 people there, I'll be like, this is going to be fucking awesome. And he's like, you know where we are, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be like, it's going to be great. You know? And I, so I love working with Sean because I always have that, that oh, dichotomy. Great, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's dynamite, man. That's insane. Okay, so let's let's jump on politics for a second here. Because I know like the first 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes, I wanted to talk a bit about more of your background and kind of where you came from and how you got into things. But let's let, – are you are you more passionate about the politics in the States? Are you more passionate about politics in Canada? I, I have – it's unfortunately, I have to be more passionate about the politics in the States because the media is far more invasive. Like oh, you man. don't see much Canadian media. We right. see – what four times as much American media? Yeah. Um, my buddy Kurt, Kermit Appio was just here opening for Brian Regan, mm-hmm. and we went out to lunch together. And he's like, "You know so much about American politics." I'm like, "Yeah, right. I don't know anything about Canadian <laughs> politics. I do. I know some. Yeah, like yeah. when the election's going on, I pay attention. I do my research and decide sure. who I'm going to vote for. Right. But outside of that, I'm not paying a lot of attention because it's not as much of a sideshow. It's not right. as right. in our sensationalized, face and, and, yeah, crazy yeah. and. Especially this election this year. Are you year. scared about what's going on down there in um, the States? Are you, are you worried about Trump possibly getting in? Are you worried about... Yeah. I yeah. mean, this is how... <laughs> I'm always trying to be funny, but it's hard to be funny about Trump because this is how nationalistic populist movements start. Right. You look at... And it's it's so... It's so um, cliche to just... Mm-hmm. Hitler to compare somebody to Hitler, but it's like, look, man, this is how it, you find how you find a group to marginalize that people are already against for bad reasons, sure. and you scapegoat them. That's how this all goes down. So when you're watching it, you're like, it's America. Could it ever be right like that bad? Could yeah. it ever get so bad? But he's already talking about rounding people up and yeah. And mass putting people in pr- and mass deportations yeah. and stuff, and you're just like, and not allowing people into the country based on their religion. That's like. How can you be American and say that? It's, yeah, it's, it blows my mind. The whole principles of your country are supposed to be your the whole image you project. Right, is not that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, the America was I mean founded on the principle of a melting pot. Like mm-hmm. people come in and and you know we we accept everybody and 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 you figure it out. And and now it just seems so. There's such a divisive. 
like state down there now where I'm just looking at it and I'm going like, how did I ever, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, I think when you remove yourself from that situation and I think like living in, and especially like the Bible belt down in Texas where it's, I mean, I was known as the guy with the Obama sign on his front lawn because nobody else had one. Like I was just <laughs> like, it was crazy, but looking, but it's almost like I always compare it to like uh like a football coach. It's like, you know, uh, or like a football player, like, you know, if you're in the game, you can't always see what's happening going on around you. But if you take a step back, which I did when I came to Canada and look back at the country and be like, holy fuck, I was really living in that type of a yeah. environment where it's, there's a lot of tenseness, there's a lot of hostility. Right. And then you look on the news and you see this, like, it's very just filled with vitriol and, and, and just, I mean, it's, it's a scary place right now. I, I went through I that when I came back. Cause I, I moved to the States three months before September 11th. Like right. it's a pretty heavy duty time right yeah. before everything went crazy. That's yeah. literally, that was, I would say that was the point America went really extreme, really not extreme, but like just off the deep end, I guess extreme right. is fine, but sure. you know, just really like, whoa, they're, the fear has taken over. That's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make, right. which was everyone was terrified, including me. Right. I was terrified. I didn't take a shower for a week. Were yeah. you living down there at that time? I was here. I was here when, when it happened. Yeah. See, I, when I was, I was living down there, I didn't shower for a week because they told me the water was, po- was right. contaminated. Possibly contaminated. You know, yeah. so it was like, I didn't shower. I was showering. I was washing my body with distilled water that right. I bought at Safeway and shit, you know, yeah. like yeah. I was terrified. And when I look back, I'm like, there was no reason to be scared. Right. And if you look at these like speeches now, like if you watch Trump speak at a rally, you I mean, you would think that America is under attack every day. Like there's yeah. bombs going off, there's suicide bombs. <laughs> terrorism like and it's like it's not it's not like that it's not you know we've got a pretty good country when it's you know and and but now i'm starting to see like one of the headlines i saw today about uh i'm not sure who it was so for forgive the ignorance here but someone in canada had proposed that we start interviewing immigrants coming in to see what their values are very much like trump of, of trying to screen these people coming in to see if you have antique which is or, his own supporters would never pass that test no. let's just be clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, someone did that video a little while ago yeah. where they went out and they tested some of his own followers, and it was just a, it was a shit show. But man, it is a scary time. It's a, it's a, I don't know, man. It's a, it's such a crazy place. I'm very, I'm very grateful that I live in a country where where people seem pretty normal, and and you know, even my daughter now is just like I, I'd never go back to the states. I don't think like, oh. that's it. Yeah, interesting. I well, to answer your question though, am I afraid? Like I would say no, and I really do find it impossible to conceive that the population that elected Barack Obama could elect Trump. Right. And I think Clinton is a brilliant woman, like, mm-hmm. super smart person. Right. I, she's more than qualified. She's had a lifetime of experience to prepare, prepare for this. So I think she'll be a fine president. I do think sure. she'll be more of the same. Right. And I don't think Barack Obama was, I think right. he actually really did take things away from the normal path and she'll kind of take it more back to center streamline. Yeah. But that's way, way better than, right, alternative, than the alternative. Right? Yeah. So it's like, I, I, am pretty hopeful that there's no way he can possibly win. Do you ever but, look at, at the States though, as being somewhat of a, of a viable market as far as important for your career that you eventually get down there? Um, are you happy staying in Canada? It's a great question. Uh, 10 years ago, I would have said, absolutely, I want to be the biggest comic in the world. But, you right. know, these days, I'm just, if I get to perform and make people laugh. I mean, I remember asking uh, Graham Kay way back in the mm-hmm. day, you know, what, what's, what, what's your goal in all this, man? What's the end goal? And he's like, I'm doing it. 
I'm touring. Right. I'm making people laugh. I'm getting paid to tell jokes. And that's when I realized, holy shit, he's right. Right. I don't need, I, if I, if more than this comes great, mm-hmm. but this, I'm super happy just getting to tell jokes and Cochran and make people laugh. Sure. You know, or, yeah, you know, but, but is there, but is there like a part of you that feels like there might be a low ceiling in, in Canada as far as how far you can go is like, cause I know there's a lot yeah. of comedians where it is this inevitable feeling that I have to break into the market down in LA or New York or, For sure. or whatever. Yeah. There's no question that if you want to be the, one of the biggest comics in the world, you have to, mm-hmm. it's an American art form. It was invented there. It's way, there's more, po- it's, it all comes down to population. Right. You know, you need to be able to perform for a different audience every night. Right. And right. there's more people in California than there is in Canada. Right? For sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, if, if, if that was, if my end goal was to be, I need this, but I'm, I'm happy for this to just be, if this can pay the bills. Right. I don't need to make Keep millions. On going. Yeah. You know? You're yeah. happy with it. There's yeah. lots of Canadian comics who have fantastic careers, right? Right. But, right. Yeah. I'm interested to find out what your, what your, your take is on, I mean, every city's got these pockets of, of amateur circuit and people coming up. And I know a lot of people go to you for advice. A lot of people ask your, ask you for, you know, uh, when you started or when you do this or when you do that. And I see that all the time. I, in the green room at Yucks and stuff like that, you get a lot of comedians that are there opening and, and doing guest spots and they're constantly looking for words of wisdom and, and, you know, little bits and pieces of, uh, advice and stuff like that from, from, from people that have been doing it a long time. What is your take on some of the local comics here in Calgary? As far as a community, is it, is, did you have that same thing where you, when you were coming up, someone took you under their wing and, and helped yeah. you out? Is it, has it always been a very welcoming community for you? Yeah, absolutely. The Calgary comedy community actually is spoken of highly all across the country in mm-hmm. the sense that we help each other and we get along really well. And like from what I'm told, mm-hmm. I haven't experienced it directly, but from what I'm told by people that come here, they say it's very clicky and very contentious between comics. Cause you're very much in competition with those people for gigs. And right, right. I've always found that Calgary has just been incredibly, you're opening a room. Awesome. When can I do it? We're going to bring, I'll bring like 10 people down and right, like everybody right. knows that they have to help for this to work. You sure. know? And, yeah. and, uh, and from, like I said, I don't have any direct verification, but from what I've been told, it's not like that elsewhere. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, this current generation of up and comers, holy shit. Are there a lot of there's good lot. ones? Yeah. Yeah. When I, there's one person still doing comedy from within a two year radius of when I started doing comedy in Calgary. And that's Amanda Brooke Perrin. She's really, the, and Lori Gibbs, I guess started a year and a half before me right, as well. Right. So she would be in there as well. But everyone else that I started with has stopped since. Really? Yeah. That was going to be one of my questions was who was on the scene back then. And if anybody was still, still going at it. Yeah. No, I mean like the, there was there, like, there was even a guy that was having tons of success and I never hear from her anymore. And, uh, but there was a man parent. She's doing great out in Toronto. She's right. getting TV spots and commercials and stuff. She's doing fantastic. And, and Lori's of course rocking it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, it, when I look at this current generation, I'm like, man, there's 20 people here right. that could all go on to become open and headliners themselves sure. yeah. and it hasn't it's a just it hasn't always been like that as far as I've seen and there's been a few that I've been like these are like hydro just interesting <laughs> almost like these supernatural creatures that get it really quickly and they seem very polished very fast yeah I've seen a couple of comedians that on the up and comers that I'm just like wow you guys been doing it for a year year and a half and you seem like you've been doing this for a couple of years it's yeah. pretty impressive stuff yeah. who was around as far as uh, who did you gravitate towards during your comedy career did you have anybody uh, during that time that that really gave you a hand up or, or gave you lots of advice coming up yeah totally so like Marcus 
Bobier was was great for that oh as well. I love Marcus, man. Jason Fredrickson was awesome. Kevin Stobo, yeah. Um, and then all the guys that were coming up from out uh, from from Toronto, like uh, Pete Zedlacker and mm-hmm. Damon Schurter, and uh, he's from Vancouver actually. But yep. um, I'm trying to think of other Calgary guys. Daryl Mack was always a really good source of advice. Despite- yeah, I was just talking about Daryl last night. Man. Yeah. The guy's just, he's been around, but he's like, it's like an oracle. Like, he just sits yeah. around and just like dispels this advice, and you're like, holy shit. That Whether makes you sense. want to hear it or not, he'll yeah. make sure you- <laughs> He doesn't have a problem telling you, man. I, I, I respect really like, that, man. I really like Daryl, though, he, and he's yeah. always helping. He's always yeah. helping, you know, when, yeah. I, when we just released this comedian app, mm-hmm. and he's one of the few people that shared the link, and I was like, oh, thanks for doing that, man. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so he's he gets the mentality, which is like, this is a group effort and we all need to help each other and, right right and uh and he's always he's been some of the sources of the of the better comedy tips that i've had mm-hmm. especially you know because i was so dirty and dark when i started right and he was one of the first people to point he's like you know that's not going to work when you get out to like Look an home. hour out of the city right <laughs> he's like go an hour out of the city and you know and i i learned that lesson really quick or i was like wow i need to write more dick jokes <laughs> I'm not sure Claire's home's going to want to hear. They, they, they don't dark. care about my, 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 my philosophy. It's weird. It's almost like they just want to laugh and don't want to hear me think my thoughts, you know? Well, before we jump into the app, cause I want to talk about that. And I yeah. think that's an important part of what you're doing for, for the, uh, for the comedy community at large with this app. But, uh, more importantly, uh, some some of the other stuff I wanted to, uh, to touch on briefly was when you when you because I've I've seen you perform I've seen you headline and stuff like that and it's dynamite stuff man you're Thanks, very dude. very talented very very funny guy there's a story that you share about uh, the cop thing on the side of the road and and that, oh, yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite stories of all I tell people I was actually talking about it last night here uh, and but. When you write material, are you the observational comic? Do you do you have a note on your phone where you just write down funny stuff that happens throughout the day, or do you have to sit down and discipline yourself and say, "I got to write this out"? Well, what happens is, I'll, this is just my personal method, which sure. is that I'll be hanging out with somebody and I'll say something funny and people laugh. And so, right. if ever conversationally people laugh at something I say. I make a note and I write down a quick note mm-hmm. that was funny. And then I'll go and write it and blow it out into a full on bit. Right? Refine it. And, yeah. Right. And, or, and not, not just refine, but actually expand right. and make it right. into a comedy act rather than just something I said. But I try and analyze what was funny. What, what was the central core humor and what I, and how did I generate that? Cause it's such a weird reaction. Laughter sure. yeah. to go, ha, 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 ha. Right. you know, what the hell is that anyways? Like yeah. why is anything funny and why do we laugh? And so I've always been super curious about how to, and what, invokes laughter and the human nature and I'm, I'm picking up little pieces of it like the that you got to let them put the piece if you explain it too much right they don't laugh right you let them put pieces together in their head something right. about that invokes laughter and so sure. i'm always trying to figure out you know how do i write this so that i don't that it's subtle and it's right. and, and they put the pieces together and so anyway sorry that that's a little bit of a digression no but, no um, it's 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 a very important part though but then it's, there's other times like the story you're talking about about driving out to saskatchewan and the cops pulling us over right that was a story I just told for years. Right. I just told it for years. And then uh, an amateur comic named Dustin Hertel in town, he doesn't do much anymore, but he was really around a lot. Sure. He goes, why aren't you telling that on stage? Right. And then I used to put it in the middle of my set. Mm-hmm. And Andrew Albert came out to me and said, why the fuck aren't you closing with that? And right, I was like, right. I don't know. I never tried closing. I, I usually put it up in the middle to prop up all the other shitty stuff that's around <laughs> it. 
because <laughs> I didn't I didn't have a great act at the time, right? So I literally right. planned out my sets like that. I was like, okay, I'm going to put something really funny at the start, and then this stuff's not going to work because it never really works that great. <laughs> put something really funny in the middle, and then you know, and then now, fortunately, I actually love my my full 45 minutes. Yeah, that it's I a great have. 45, man. But um, but uh, and then Andrew was the one that said he was like, why aren't you closing with that? And then ever since he said that, it's been my closer. So oh, man. sometimes they're just stories that I've told my whole life, right? And people just have to say, Do you know, that's, you should really be talking about that yeah, stage. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I always thought that was just one of my stupid life stories. <laughs> but that's what comedy is, right? Stupid life stories. Oh, it's, oh man, it's great. And you're, you're, you're a very good raconteur, which is, which is a very, which is a very difficult thing to do because I think for a lot of comedians, it's a real risk taking somebody on a story for two or three minutes and not having that punchline there for at least four or five. And, yeah. and I mean, you take someone on a journey. I mean, people get restless, people stop listening, people get preoccupied, but you have a really great way of just kind of captivating the room and keeping people engaged in the story. And oh, it's, thanks, yeah, it's one of the best closures I've heard. And I think Andrew was right on track when he said that, keep it for your closer. Wicked. Yeah. I, I do love that actually, that for most of the show, it's laughs every 30 seconds, but for that bit, there's a good three minutes of, and the audience is silence, dead man. silent. Yeah. And that I find, that almost better than the last because I'm like, well, they're not talking. Right. They're right. listening. They're super into this, right? right. They don't right. have to always be laughing. Sometimes a dead quiet yeah. is one of the best sounds you can hear as a comic because you know man. they are so into what you're saying. And then right. you know that when you have that punch, right. that they're going to explode exactly. right? when it finally shows up. And then I've got, there's about five or six lines that are just boom, 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 boom at the end of that story. Oh, man. That's, I love it. It's a great it's, thing. It's great, sure. man. Let's talk about this app that you, you did. And I think you did it with Simon, Simon King, Simon King. Let's talk about this man because it's a, it's a great, it's a great premise, and it's and you guys have launched it, and and it's 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 doing really really well right now. It's taken off, yeah. Yeah. So let's yeah let's talk about this. Well, what what happened was Simon King put up a post on Facebook, right? And he said, "Why isn't there a Tinder for comics where you can swipe left for one and swipe right?" I don't think he was planning that people were going to be fucking the comics, (laughs) but he was just kind of using the swipe methodology where he's like, "Why can't we swipe left and get a new comic and swipe right to go?" back and keep track of your favorites. Sure. And I put it, I was the first person left to comment. I was like, that is an amazing idea. I will make that delete this status immediately. Like, don't right, right. Like, let's not share this too much here. <laughs> and then the second comment was his mom, Ellie King comes in and she's like, I agree with Derek, delete this status immediately. Cause she's like, we just both recognize, wow, is that a great idea? Right. No and then it was like that week I called up Simon. I'm like, I, you really have something here. Let's right. do this. Right. And, uh, he, you know, we refined the idea together. He did all the graphics and the layout mm-hmm. and I did all the programming to piece it together and then right. set up the server that feeds the information to the app. And right. the best thing about it is that it costs me $20 a month to run the server. And that's overkill. I think, I think we could probably do it on 10 right, right. because it's all hosted by YouTube right? Right, and it right. just streams YouTube clips. And so if people don't know, it's you swipe left for one and a new YouTube clip comes up, right. you can swipe up from there and get the comics headshot, their website, their face, all their social media, a uh, list of upcoming shows, click on a show to buy tickets to that show. That's brilliant, man. You can search for a name by category, like show me all the dirty comics. You can get that. Show me all right. the clean comics. You can get that. And then we just added right before we launched find shows in my area where you put in what city or province you're looking for, wow. how many months out you want to look. It'll bring up a list of shows in chronological, chronological order. You click them, buy tickets. Wow. It's all there. It's comediate.com. If any comics want to sign up, C O M E D I A T E.com. And, and it's it, the cost is free. It's free, free app, free to sign up. Um, we don't really have a monetization plan with this. We were just, right, we're right. two comics that we recognize that, wow, would this ever help? Mm-hmm. If, because it's not just 
There's so many places where you can find listings of comedy shows, but so few of them can you actually see the person. Right. And this is a, this is something where you can go, who's coming up? Oh, this weekend it's Derek Sweet. Who the fuck's Derek Sweet? Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Click that. Click watch video. You can actually watch seven minutes of my comedy. Go, I like that. I'm going to go see that show. Right. And it it just it's bringing it's it's tying in comedy listings with the performances with with clips five minute right. clips of the performances that. So we Dude, really that's think a brilliant that, man, brilliant. Yeah, we, idea. Comics are just signing up like crazy. Like, I was going to ask, like, what's the feedback been like? What's what have you guys been hearing back on this? The, every every comic Everyone that sees it. it just loves it. They're yeah. like, holy shit, this is awesome! And yeah. and they sign up and uh, and we're, I think we've been we've launched a month ago and we're at 117 comics already. So wow, from all over, and we've got downloads in the UK, we've got downloads in Australia, we've got holy downloads shit. in the US and Canada, and I'm like, wow, it's like it's really picking up. This and, could really be the LinkedIn of 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 comics. Kind of, yeah. Well, yeah. it's more it's more for the the fans than it is for the comic. Well, right. that's the comics thing, but it, I, I'm I'm reading into your question. <laughs> I'm like, well, Jake, here's how it differs from LinkedIn. LinkedIn is more of a professional network where comics would know. So, but no, um, it gives people such a great access, which I think normal, you know, like a lot of people, I think that that's kind of where society has come, has come to is that the, you have this direct access now to a lot of people. Right. Yeah. And before it used to be, you'd have to, you know, search and Google and all this type of shit. And like you said, I mean, how do you know what's coming up in your area? How do I know I know all the clubs are here? Or I don't know how many comedians are around and whatever. And this kind of just is like this database of people that are not only close to you, but you can narrowly search you know, filters and whatever else to kind of add on to who are you looking for and what are they all about? Right. And, yeah. and show me them... the clean shows in my yeah. head if you don't want to see dirty comedy. And yeah, that's crazy. That's such a great, great idea, man. Yeah. And people are reaching out to us too. There's like another website that does the exact same thing, dead frog. Right. And the guy wrote us and he's like, we need to combine efforts. Yeah. Well, I've got 450 comics with all of their show data. <laughs> well, I have a database shit, for you. And I was man. like, Okay, what can we do for you? Because you right, can right. help us so much. Because <laughs> that is the that's the the bread that we need. The bread and butter we need right now is comics right. signing up and putting their shows in. It's so important that they add their shows for them, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they're just part of they they're like part of our rotation, and anybody can randomly find them. But you put your shows in there, people right. will find you and come see you live and be fans. And right, that's what I right. think is the most important thing that comics. And there's no on. kickback yet to this for you guys. Nothing. Just, no, we're just. It's buy comics for comics. We just wanted to put something out there that's going to help people. And our principle is we don't make money until the comics are making money. So right, maybe right. one day we'll set up a payment gateway where people can buy tickets and we take a 5% cut of ticket sales sure. or something. Right. But we need to make sure that the people giving us the content are making more money than we are mm -hmm. before. Cause we're not, we're not here to exploit anybody or right, right. we're trying to give a, provide a tool. Right. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. That's amazing, man. What's up next for, I've been keeping you here for, I think we're coming up on an hour here soon. What, what, what's next for Derek Sweet? What, what do you got? You said you're going out to uh, BC for a bit. Uh, you got a little tour going on. What, what's, yeah. what's, yeah, what's going on? What's coming up next? Well, there's the BC tour. And then after that, not a lot. <laughs> Maybe you can help me out with that, Jake. No, I'm you know how it is. happy to keep you busy, man. Nothing, gets, great. nothing gets booked more than a few months in advance, right? right so it's right. like, I'm just now making that transition in the past year. I've been making that transition headliner which yeah i always thought going from amateur to opener was the hardest step right because you have to convince people to let you on stage that, right. i always thought that but now i'm finding i'm like oh this step is just as hard yeah because now i'm way worse because <laughs> like i'm i'm only 10 years in and now i'm up against people before i was just another competition of people that started around the same time or sure. even less experience than me now it's like 
there's a list of 30 guys with 25 years experience that are also being shown alongside me. And it's like, I'm like, wow, I got to really step up my game. I thought I was just going to be more of the same and it's not headliner is a totally different thing. Yeah. So I've been writing more and I've been trying to, but that that's just where I'm at right now. And just leaving that I'm starting to get headline gigs, starting to close clubs and right. And get uh, those corporate one man shows. Oh, yeah. looking yeah, forward yeah, to those yeah. this year. <laughs> I've heard they could be a nightmare. <laughs> that, oh man, I, yeah, I have. I have not been in the corp. Well, I haven't been in the comedy business that long. But but um, I'm, I'm anxious to see to start booking corporates and stuff like that. I started to get little trickles here and there. But it is a really refined roster of access of who can do corporates and who yeah. can't. It's a it's a it's a very interesting line of line of work. Right. But if you can do it, and if people are people, you know want to see that comedy i mean it's gonna be a very financial it's gonna be a great thing yeah yeah daryl was one of the ones who who you know kind of told he's like you can tell the same jokes Mm -hmm. you just gotta take a different slant right you know you gotta be more subtle you gotta it has to be implied filth rather than direct filth right and that's a great lesson i think for a lot of comics that are listening to this is that you can do the same jokes Mm -hmm. but just don't say fuck and don't right, just right. don't say pussy you yeah, know yeah. like let them they're, they're smart they'll figure out what you alluding to what yeah, you're yeah. alluding to you know? right right and that's that's really the only difference outside of avoiding topics like politics and religion and stuff but yeah, you know yeah. i haven't found the corporate stuff to be that different but then again i'm in alberta which is political correctness is a little bit looser over right, here right. so definitely i don't know we'll see how things go but my that's next steps for me are just keep moving up and keep trying yeah. to to get it so that I can pay the bills with comedy. That would be amazing. So. Yeah, dude. Well, you're doing a fantastic job. I can't wait to be working with you more. And especially being that you're a Calgary guy and, and we run into each other all the time. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you? DerekSweet.com is uh, my main website. You can always find out my shows on there and you can find me on Comediate as well. Get yeah. Download the app, search we'll my name. That. My yeah. list of upcoming shows will always be there. And uh, yeah, that's the two places. Hey, man. Facebook, well, there's a Facebook group, Derek. There's Sweet Comedian on Twitter. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Well, we'll put the links up on the show description. And uh, hey, man, thanks for making the trip out here. Hey, thanks, Jason. This is Dynamite, man. Appreciate it. Great time. All right, folks, and there you have it, the interview with the very funny, very talented Mr. Derek Sweet. What a great guy. What did I tell you, huh? One of my favorite interviews that one was. We've got a lot in common, politics, everything. Yeah, it's dynamite. Anyway, folks, uh, on behalf of myself, your host, Jay Hirsch, and the entire crew at Yuck Yucks, Mr. Mark Breslin, executive producer, Kira Williams, of course, our webmaster, Camille Argue. Hey, got that one right this time, Camille. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, I might be off to Toronto here soon, kids. Maybe October, going to come hang out with the Yuck Yucks crew. Going to go... Uh, gonna go start the revolution i don't know what i said that for anyway uh lots of great episodes coming up folks stay tuned we will see you next week